Hello everyone, I'm Pastor Dylan and welcome to the Dayspring Wesleyan Church Podcast. The best way to stay connected to the life of the church is downloading our app. Simply go to the App Store, search for Church Center, and download the app and enter the information for our church. This will connect you to our church community. I pray the following presentation will inspire you to come closer to God in this journey of faith. Enjoy listening. what I consider one of the greatest um, sort of love stories in, in, um, in humanity, and that's Jesus coming down to this earth. But as part of that process, I want us to take a look today in Matthew 1, verses 18 through 21, and how, Jesus, how Joseph was experiencing this time and how he reacted to what was going on, as we just talked about. So let's read this together. It says, this, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her public to disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Let's pray together. Father, what an amazing time in history as we look and celebrate your appearing and your coming in the flesh, you being Emmanuel, God, with us and experiencing all that we do in life. You left heaven, this great place, to step into our messy world. Why? Because you wanted to give us a sense of hope, us to recognize peace, us to experience joy, and then most definitely to know that we are loved. So I pray that as we would tackle this message today, that if there's anything that I would get incorrect, that you would clean it up in the ears of your people so that your voice is the one they hear from today and not mine. In your name we pray. Amen. So one of the things we've done this morning already is we brought all the parents and all the kids up and we did this um, dedication and we're celebrating some of the uh, youngest and newest ones in our church. And what a great thing to begin to do. And some of them were a little bit older because they came to faith a little bit uh, later in life. And I love that they get to come up here and they get to start this journey with their kids and the faith. But I think that one of the things is, is It's definitely you love your kids, but there's also this struggle of how do we show our kids love or how do we demonstrate love in the midst of all of life's mess and the ebbs and flows of what's going on. And I love this passage that we're given today and because I think out of this passage and some other excerpts in the Bible, I think what we're going to notice is that there's there's in, in how do we find our mess and love in our mess is there's four types of love, I think, that we, this passage focuses on. I love how the Apostle Paul, when he talks about love in 1 Corinthians 13, he says this, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But he says, but the greatest of these that we are gonna experience is, is the idea of love, and that was truly what was felt when Jesus came into this earth. So first of all, and I would like all parents, and I want all of us to know that love is basically a part of what we experience relationally. You know, God created us to be a very relational people. Matter of fact, when we were first created, when Adam was there, it says that God and man communicated back and forth, and he wanted to have that relationship with them. And then it says that as Adam was tending to everything that was going on around him, and as he was naming the animals, as he was experiencing the fruit and the things of the land, it says that as he was looking at all this, 
there was not a suitable helper for him. And so then we read in Scripture that God created Eve, this woman, to be in relationship um, with Adam. Now, I've often thought, and I talk about this at weddings, but when you think about this theologically, if we truly believe that God is all-knowing and all-seeing and all-powerful, why didn't he just go ahead and create Eve right away? I mean, because he knew that he was going to have to do this, so why just waste all the, the, the time? And here's what I truly believe. I truly believe that God knew that Adam would be lonely, but Adam would have never known what it was like to be alone unless he was alone. And so there's a period of time where Adam has nobody else that he can really fully communicate with. He has God, but he has nobody else just like him. And so in that moment, he recognizes his loneliness, and then it says that God sends Eve along. And I think that's important for us to know because as you and I know and must experience, we need to be in community. We need to be in relationship with one another. And God is definitely designed for man and woman to come together to experience really life to the fullest part. And so as we're getting into this scripture today, the first thing I want you to see out of this story and what we're getting into is that there is a love for a spouse that I believe is truly important in relationships. And this doesn't say you have to get married. What I'm saying is a love for your spouse is what kids need to see. And I think it's important for humanity as well. So when you read this passage, it says this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Now you have to understand that word pledged is not like you and I think about it where we have a fiance and we know that in this sort of courtship that we do that if we end up not really liking this person that we can get out of this. Like when they were pledged to be married, it was really like a contract to be married and there was a, even a certificate of divorce that you would have to give them at this point because you were supposed to be fully connected. So it was very, very important. But he says that he was pledged to be married, but before they had come together, before they had slept with one another, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. I mean, think about that. That's why it's important, I think, for us to understand, like, what is Joseph's response to what he is hearing? And I can't even begin to think like what Joseph was even noticing like and how this conversation even went because I don't think we're really given that. But can you imagine Joseph, he's looking at Mary and he's like, I'm about ready to marry this lady. Looks like she's putting on a little bit of weight and I don't know how to tell her, you know, because you're definitely not gonna step into that. You know, it's like, man, I don't know if her clothes are getting tighter. Does she need some new outfits? I don't know how to say this. And so I don't know how the conversation came up, uh, if she was getting morning sickness or whatever. But eventually the subject comes up and Mary tells him, look, uh, Joseph, by the way, I'm pregnant and it's through the Holy Spirit. Like, how do you respond to that? I mean, think about that. How, how do you respond to that? I know what I would have been feeling inside. Mm, okay, we're gonna blame this on God now. Okay, got it, right. You know, like, mm, this is the way we're gonna go. And I think I would be fuming, I would be upset. I would think, this is the person that I love. This was the person I've been pledged to. This is the person that I wanted to commit my life to. And all she can have, say to me is, I'm pregnant, and it's through the Holy Spirit. I mean, I would be fuming inside. Now listen, because what it says here in the passage is, when she told him this, it says, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. 
I want you to think about Joseph for a moment. Now, he hears what would be for most of us this kind of terrible news. Not terrible that she's pregnant, but it's not by him. And so how do I step into this? But yet he's looking at Mary and says, but I love this woman so much. And it says he's faithful to the law. He knows that he has every right to divorce her. Matter of fact, not only does he have the right to divorce, divorce her, he has a right to do it publicly. He has a right to put her on trial and to say, this woman cheated on me. Matter of fact, if he even wanted to take the Old Testament, biblical part of it, he could have had her stoned because of the decision that was made. And yet he looked on it because he hadn't heard from God yet in this. But because of his love for her, he said that, you know what? Instead of putting this out there in public, instead of bringing you disgrace, I love you so much, Mary, that I'm willing to keep this sort of quiet. As much as disgrace that I'm going to experience, you might experience, I don't want to do this publicly to you because I love you that much. You know, we were reading 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 5. It says this, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, and listen to this, it keeps no record of wrongs. Even though Joseph felt like he is wronged, he didn't bring that up, did he? But instead he chose to love her. Listen, I want you to know as husband and wives, the most important thing that you can show your kids, the most important thing you can show to people around you is that you love your spouse in the right way. And I love this approach from Joseph. Because Joseph has every right to go after and he chooses not to. You know, that sounds way different than a lot of us, doesn't it? Because I think sometimes when we're talking about peace, sometimes we build up this ammunition or, or I think honestly, like we know that we love this person that we've married, but there's also a tension in being married, right? And the tension is, like I love you, but there are things that you do that just drive me crazy, right? And I don't wanna sell my wife out, okay? But listen, you guys know that in some of your relationships, you know that sometimes like they swallow too loud, all right? Uh, they crunch their food too much, you know, or you don't put the toilet paper the right way on the roll, you know, and they're gonna let you know about it. I'm talking from experience now, okay? I know what my wife comes after me about. And there are times when it just drives you crazy and there's this tension. There's also this tension that develops when we get into other groups, and when we get into other groups, they'll start, you know, somebody will start talking about their wives and, oh man, you're not gonna believe my wife did. And you're like, oh man, you're about your wife. Listen to what's going on with my wife. And some of you, you get together with your girlfriends and, and you're talking about your husband. You're like, you're, my husband, and he, was, he did this to me. And they're like, oh, my husband does that all the time and he does this worse, you know? And we start to list all these things. What's interesting to me is how that we can attack the other person in those moments. And how that sometimes we even wait to bring something up until family is around because if I bring it up, maybe they can't go after me if it's in front of everybody else. But you understand what you're doing. You're devaluing that person. And listen, if you have kids around, by the way, and husbands, you're not loving your wife the right way, and you're constantly telling them how miserable she makes you or all of the problems... Like you have to understand that that's the way your kids are going to think that they should talk about their spouse or that's the way that they should talk about their mom. And wives, you have to know this is like if you continue to put your husbands down and treat them with this sort of disrespect, you have to understand that you're teaching 
your kids to be disrespectful to their dad as well. And what love says is this, is love says, I don't delight in evil. I want to be kind. I don't want to dishonor others. And there's a tension in that. And so we need to love our spouse well. In other, in, in other words, that they might grow up in the right way. Uh, a second love is this. I think that's displayed in the story too. It's a love for the child itself. So uh, in the passage in 6 and 7, Luke 6 and 7, it says this. While they were there, the time had come for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Man, I have to think about this idea of Mary and Joseph. They're traveling. They're supposed to be part of a census that was being taken. And in the part of this process, it says that they were looking for a space for the night because Mary probably was going through the contractions that she needed a place to get. And there was no place for them. And I'm thinking to myself, Mary had to have been saying, boy, this would be so much easier if I was in my own place. Like, I know where everything is there. As a matter of fact, I had clothes that I could have made for him, and, and maybe we would have had our in-laws over, and, and they would have had clothes that they would have made for them, and this is what I could have wrapped Jesus in, and yet this is all that I have that is here. And the truth is, is they did the best they could in that situation. They says they wrapped him in swaddling clothes, cloths. And basically that was just what was available to them after they were given birth. But I want you to know this. I think so many times we can spend so much time on the gifts and the things and all of making sure that our kids look the right way. Man, when it comes to Christmas Eve services, like we want to get the right picture. We want to make sure they're dressed the right way and we want to make sure everything looks good. I remember growing up, my mom, she would be like, <laughs> she would want us to dress up for Christmas Eve. But here's the thing, man. She wanted us all to dress the same. All right, so we're kind of one of those awkward family pictures just waiting to happen. And I'll never forget the year that she talked my dad and my grandpa and my uncle and my cousin. They all, we all dressed the same when we showed up to church, you know, because they just wanted that perfect moment. Here's what I want you to understand. Even for Mary, it wasn't about the clothes. It wasn't about the gifts. What it was about, it was a mother's touch. And man, I've been there for all my children when they've been born. And to see my wife, what she goes through in the process of that. To see all the pain and the anguish and, you know, the time it's spent. And then at the end of the day, the day, they just hand that baby to her. And she puts that baby in her arms. And she loves that baby completely. It's a mother's touch that someone needs to understand. First Corinthians 13, one through three says this, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardships that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And that passage is so important because at the end of the day, what you and I need to understand is that, listen, we can do all the right things and we can say all the right things, but if we don't really, truly show them love, it is nothing. Like what your kids need to experience, they don't need to have the nicest things. 
They just need you to love them. They just need you to be there for them. I was in a group of youth pastors several years ago, and there's about 600 of us. And I've told this before, but in that group, one of the things that the speaker said to us, he says, hey, I want to ask you a question. How many of you, thinking back to when you were a teenager, how many of you remember um, uh, a message that your youth pastor gave or you remember a message that your pastor gave? And out of that, out of that 600 group, there's only like two or three hands that went up. And then they made this statement. They said, now, how many of you can tell us about your youth pastor or your pastor? And every hand went up. And what he was wanting us to understand is this, is that sometimes our presence and our just being there and showing up speaks way more than the words that we say. Mary was there with Jesus from the beginning to the end. And it made such an impact on Jesus' life that you remember that when Jesus was hanging on a cross, who was there watching? Mary. Mary was watching this baby that she brought into this world, and she was watching him bleed out. And one of Jesus' statements was for Mary herself. And he looked at Mary, and he said, he looked at John, he said, John, here's your mother now. I need you to take the responsibility in taking care of my mom. It's, it's amazing the love that she had. You see, it says that through all of this, Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. When she saw the shepherds came, when she saw the, all that Jesus went through, she treasured these things in her heart. This is someone that she had poured her energy and time into. And you may have poured your energy and time into children, and there may be a point where they disappoint. There may be some struggles that happen. But at the end of it, listen, you need to be there with them to the very end. I love what Simeon said in Luke 2, 34 through 35. It says, then Simeon, who was waiting for the Messiah to come, it says he blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And then listen to this, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. What he was saying to Mary is, Mary, this baby is the Messiah. And though he's gonna do great things, you're gonna experience great pain at the end. And again, Mary knelt at the cross of her son, of her savior, and watched him bleed out, and her soul was pierced. See, what the scripture tells us in Corinthians 13, 7, 1 Corinthians 37, it says, love, it always protects, it always trusts, and it always perseveres. Mary was with him from the beginning and to the end. And it's important, parents, and it's important that we are investing in people's lives in such a way that we are always there. And then I understand that some of you probably through circumstances of life said, well, you know, I don't have a spouse in my life and I don't have a child. Or for some of you, you're doing this child thing alone. But here's what I want you to know. Even if there is not a spouse or a child in your life, what you need to understand, there is a love that you can receive from God. God wants to pour his love. It says that he left everything that he knew in order to be where you and I are at. He stepped into our mess out of his love for you. That when we read in verses 20 and 21, and I love this because Joseph, has, he was already loving her in the right way. 
But then the angel came to him and says, But after he had considered this about divorcing her, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. And Joseph said, Great. I'll stay in this really, even though I'm going to experience embarrassment, even though this child is going to cause me some harm, even though um, I don't know what people are going to think about me, like because the Holy Spirit has let me know that this is where I need to be, then I'm going to stay here because this is the Messiah. This is the one that's going to save the people from their sins. And here's what I want you to know. When we read about that love keeps no record of wrongs, man, I think some of us, we look at our lives and we look at all the mistakes and all the ways that we messed up and we sit there and say, boy, I don't know that I can ever be forgiven. I've just done too much junk. And you and I may not understand how we fully experience and receive grace. And yet John 3, 16 and 17 tells us this, for God so loved the world. In other words, God so loved you. He so loved me. He so loved every single one of us that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world, listen to this, to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Look, you've got mistakes, you've fallen short, me too. And you and I can sit there and we can weigh everything out that we've ever did wrong. And what does the scripture say? It says that he didn't come into the world to condemn you. But he came to free you. He came to show you a love and grace that you can never fully understand. You may want to chalk everything up and everything. He says, now I wiped it out. You're free from all that. Because my love is greater and deeper than any of that. Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 8, 838-39, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither heights nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul said nothing can separate you. You think you've got some big mistakes? This is the Apostle Paul who was persecuting Christians, who was wanting them to die for the things that they were proclaiming. He had an experience with Jesus and he says, even all the things that I've done cannot separate me from the love of Christ. He wants to set you free. He wants to come into your life. He wants to show you fully how you are loved. First John 4, 8 says this, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. He is the author of love. And when you and I come into his presence and we recognize that we are fully forgiven and we want to show the world, man, the best thing you can do for your kids is to love your spouse. You can love your child and you can show them the love of God, making sure that they're raised up the right way. And then out of that overflow that we experience, then I think it helps us to love others as well. First John 4, 10 through 11 says, this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, then you and I, we got to start loving each other as well. And so when we're in that text in Corinthians and it's talking about, listen, we can only be a uh, clinging gong or symbol or we can give all this stuff to the poor. We can beat our bodies up. If we don't have love, none of this matters. But at the end of the day, if we have love, then these are the things that we should be doing. 
we should be reaching out. James tells us, the brother of Jesus, who didn't even in fact believe that Jesus was the Messiah, but yet saw him die and saw him come back to life and said, oh, I guess he is real, let's follow him. He said this, that true religion is this, to look after orphans and widows in their despair. In other words, when we see people hurting around us, we need to show them love. And some of those things may be tangible, it may be money, it may be gifts, it may be food, but some of that is just being present when they're going through some things and just listening to what's going on. You see, when Jesus Christ came into this world, he enveloped all of that for us. He became the father of the bride, the church. He was the son of God and was the son of man. He showed us his love and he not only showed it to individuals, but he showed how to love others as well. And in the midst of that, this Emmanuel, this God with us, became all that you and I ever needed to experience love. And that's how we find it in this mess. Would you stand with me this morning? And I want to ask you just for a moment, uh, if you close your eyes, and if there be any of you this morning that would say, you know, Pastor, um, I've heard this message about Jesus, and I understand that he can come into my life and he can forgive me of my sins. And I want to be set free right now from all the sin and mistakes that I have. And I want to experience his grace fully. And you want to say today, on this Christmas Eve morning, I want to surrender my life to Christ. If that's you, would you just raise your hand this morning? I want to pray with you. Got you in the front here. Thank you. Thank you in the back over here. Thank you on the sides here. Thank you. Thank you in the back over here. Thank you. Let's pray together. Father God. We just come to you right now, and those who have raised their hand and said, I just want to experience that freedom and that love that you can do. And we recognize right now that we are sinners, that we have fallen short of your glory, that there are times that we've made mistakes, and, and maybe there will still be some times we make mistakes, but your grace and your love is enough. What you did on the cross, you paid our debt, you paid our price. Now we're asking you to free us from all that sin, that you would come and live in our life, that you would take that sin and throw it from as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. And Father, come and live within our lives and change us from the inside out. And when the devil comes and says, and what you did wasn't real, help us to remember that it is real. And you are the difference in our life. Help us to leave a changed people. And Father, for those who are just gathering in today and experience some of the hardships of this season of life and saying, I just want to experience Christ to the fullest and I want to experience his love. I pray that your grace would just reign around this place. Help us to leave this place experiencing love with one another and then showing love to our world as well. Father, you've been so great and wonderful to us. Help us in our evening services that we'll be having. We give you thanks. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, church, uh, thank you. We just had uh, three people in this service make a decision for Christ and five in the other. So let's give God praise for those accepting him today as their Savior. Now I'm going to ask you to do this. Find ways to love each other better. And then, hey, if you can come back tonight, we'd love to have you. If not, we'll see you next week. Go with God. Thanks again for listening. If you are located in the Marion area, we would love to have you join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fantastic children and student ministries, please visit us at dayspringwesleyan.org. That's dayspringwesleyan.org.